0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory be Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. Jesus sent out these 12 after instructing them thus. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: we have a remarkably beautiful combination of scripture readings placed before us today. Beginning with our song, which gives us a simple statement that we've repeated that merits a certain degree of unpacking in the light of our first reading and our gospel today. Blessed are they, we said, who hope in the Lord. On the one hand, that doesn't seem to be a remarkable statement. It's a statement we've heard time and time again in various ways to the point that it can seem to be little more than a cliché. Blessed are those who hope in the Lord. And the fact that it can seem to be little more than a cliché is exactly the problem. And it's not a problem with the statement, it's a problem about us. A problem with our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, and our spirits. Because the simple fact of the matter is many of us who bear the name Christian do not know how to hope. We daydream. We have little things that we look for but a real hope in God is something that is all too often sorely lacking among us. St. Louis de Montfort at one point, writing to the community of missionaries that he desired to found but did not yet exist, wrote to this little band of priests and missionaries that didn't exist a letter imagine that, to be looking forward into the future where despite your best attempts to get something off the ground, it went nowhere. And yet to look forward with such a confidence and such an intensity that even though the foundation you were starting didn't look like it had any real prospect of getting off the ground, you were going to write a letter to its future members. And in that letter is a remarkably beautiful statement. He speaks to this small band that finds itself likely overwhelmed and at risk. In a world whose problems are enormous. In a world where there are many in love with sin, many more in fact than are in love with virtue in a world where those who hold power and authority and influence use these things against the gospel rather than in cooperation with it. And how tiny and overwhelmed and frightened one can find himself in that world. And he begins his letter naming these realities, and he says simply, quoting the Lord, Fear not even though you have every reason in the world to be frightened, fear not. And then he continues saying, but that's not enough. It is not enough to be unafraid. Think about that for a minute. Most of us would be really content if we weren't afraid. Imagine life without worry. Imagine life without anxiety. Imagine life without all that stress that comes from our fear of what might go wrong and how we might be disappointed. Imagine life without the fear of what other people think. Imagine that. And most of us would say, that's a really good deal. I'll take that all day long. And so here's Father de Montfort saying, but that's not enough. It's not enough to be unafraid. It's not enough to be undisturbed. It's not enough to be peaceful and steady where you are. And again, we sit there and say, more what I want. And he says this, it's not what you want. It's something God wants. And what God wants from you, he says, is that you hope for great things from him. Hope sounds different that way, doesn't it? It is not simply hoping God. God wants you to hope for great things from him. What a remarkable statement that is. And he continues because that's not the whole statement. God wants you to hope for great things from him and to be filled with joy by reason of this hope. And that's where most of us fail. Our hopes infrequently, if at all, fill us with joy. Our hopes are often mere desperate wishes that things could be different. But that's not hope. Real Christian hope has a note of joy about it. It springs not from desiring something different and something better, however good it is. It springs from knowing how good God is in the first place it springs from a certain holy confidence in the Lord and what the Lord has said he has for us. And so it becomes a holy looking forward to the good thing that the one who is good has promised to give. Note how marvelous that is. Think of those times where you really did find yourself looking forward to something. Where you found yourself looking forward, perhaps it's to the visit of a family member you haven't seen. You're looking forward to a celebration or an opportunity that you know is coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. And note, it's not merely the likelihood, it's the certainty, it's on the way. He or she is coming. The day is coming. The opportunity, in fact, is coming. I don't have it yet, but it will be in my hands. And isn't it true that when we look for those things and we think of those moments, there's a certain excitement, a certain joyfulness about us, a certain energy about us, and it's not mere wishful thinking, is it? It's an anticipatory joy of a good that is coming to me but that I don't have quite yet. But as I see that joy drawing near and I look forward to the day when it is mine, my heart knows a certain blessedness. Blessed are they that hope in the Lord. This is what the psalm is talking. This is not, blessed are they who have pious daydreams. This is not, blessed are they who have escapist fantasies. This is, blessed are they who know the Lord, have heard what the Lord has said, and who look forward with a real conviction that what he has said, indeed, it is on the way this is why the statement that is the drumbeat of advent the single statement in the scriptures that we hear more times than any other over the course of this season i should put you on the spot right now and ask what is it but there is one simple statement that we will hear through this season more than any other. On that day. Not on this day. On that day. And time and time again, the scriptures say, lift up your eyes and look forward to that day. And note, not some day. The empty hopes of the world say someday things will get better. Someday maybe things will be different. But the Lord never promised us someday. But he has promised that day. Note how marvelously specific, how marvelously concrete that is. There will be that day. And on that day, something's gonna happen. That is the great cry of Advent, on that day. And so note, we who live in this day are called to lift up our eyes out of this day, at least for a moment, and standing in the reality the goodness and the pain, the woundedness and the progress of this day and look forward to that day. And in the light of that day, to move forward from this day. Note how that gives us a directionality. It is not just that that day is coming It is everything that the Lord is doing is also moving us toward that day. And that's the double movement of Advent. It is not just that the Lord is coming to us, but that everything is also moving toward him. This day has its value because that day is coming. This day, today, is ordered to that day. And when I realize that, I recognize that there is a fundamental directionality about my living. There is a fundamental directionality about this chaotic world in which I find myself. A chaos whose meaning can only be clear in the light of that day. Our mistake, is we try to understand everything in terms of this day. And that's how we reduce our lives and ourselves to our problems and our struggles. And so we hear on that day, something's going to happen. How absolutely beautiful. Those who hope in the Lord are those who know how to look toward that day. And now recognizing this, recognizing this, we understand that on the one hand, the season of Advent is about getting us ready to celebrate a certain that day. The anniversary of that day in which the Lord let the face of his glory shine upon us physically in this world for the very first time the feast of his nativity, the feast of Christmas. But we're not getting ready for his birth because that's already happened. Rather, we are getting ready to celebrate that day on which he first appears for us. And why do we do that? Because when he was born on that day 2,000 years ago, that day of which the prophets speak began to break on the world. Note, born on Christmas day, the Lord shows his face and it is the first rays of light of that day, that long day of the Lord by which all woundedness will be healed. And all evil will be overcome and all injustice cast down on that day. And what do we hear in that magnificent prophecy from the book of Isaiah? On that day, you will have the water for which you have been longing and the bread that you need. and you will see your teacher. Note how it speaks of the incarnation of the Lord, who shows in a human face the fullness of the wisdom of God. Note how it anticipates the teacher who shows his face will give us the saving water of baptism by which we are moved from death to new life. On that day, And on that day, the teacher who will show us his face will give us the bread that we need. The very bread that we receive here at this Mass. The bread of angels. His body. On that day. And as we hear this, note where we find ourselves. Curiously and wondrously, we find that this day, is also that day here in this place we who have been given to drink of the streams of living water we who will stretch out our hands to the saving bread that we need stand in the daylight of that day the full daylight of that day has not yet broken over us that is coming but notice how everything we do is not merely an anticipation of, it is the presence of that day already here. The dead come to life again. Sinners are reconciled. The sick are healed. The hungry are fed. The poor are cared for on this day, which because of Christ is also that day. Small wonder then that twinned with that reading we have the Lord in the gospel. Surrounded by the sea of the neediness of the world, so many sick, so many wounded, so many troubled because his day is that day in which he comes to gather around himself the troubled and the afflicted and the broken and the wounded. Who else has a guest list like that? But on that day, that's who shows up. And on that day, there is healing and comfort and forgiveness and the Lord looks out at these many, and in the great beginning of that day, which happens with his presence, he sees that they are like sheep without a shepherd. And he who is their shepherd says the harvest is abundant. And what an odd harvest, the lonely, the lost, the wounded, the abandoned, the forgotten, And here's Jesus saying, let's gather all of them in. Not a harvest of the perfect, not a harvest of the holy, not a harvest of the mighty, not a harvest of the wealthy, but the harvest of that day. And to gather them, he says, pray that workers be sent. Note how here the establishment of the church to go out into the world And to gather the many is an element of that day. That day of which the prophets spoke and wrote. That day of which we have been reflecting is here on this day. Not in its fullness, oh, but in its reality. How absolutely wonderful that is. And so here we are. On this day, and in just a few minutes, we're going to be invited to come forward. And from this altar, the Lord will come down. To all of us who left to our own are like sheep without a shepherd. And yet we find ourselves here, in this place that has been provided for us and prepared for us. And we will come forward because there have been those who have been called and have been sent who will stand here at the front of these aisles holding in their hands the bread that we need. And we'll come forward on this day and stretch out our hand to the bread that was promised to us for that day, today. How wonderful that is. Blessed are those who hope in the Lord. And note how here on this day, in this place, as we stretch out our hands to him in the sacrament, we are in fact stretching out our hands to the glorious promise and the fulfillment of that day. When you go back to your bench, and we prepare to enthrone him on the altar, linger with us and quietly take some time, rejoicing that this day is also that day. And why? Because he is here. And that day has always been about the day of Jesus Christ. Amen.